This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. What a wonderful evening we have planned. Yes, we do. I see everybody starting to get into the chat. Thank you so much. Was it Josh last week that asked if this was my chest? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then we wondered about the fingernails. Oh, that's right. The fingernails. I can't unsee now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to change that. I'm going to have to totally change that. Oh, well. Welcome, everybody, to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, the live edition Scarif Live here Saturday night as we continue our deep dive on um, one of the most uh, intriguing Star Wars shows out there. What do you think, Miss Perrin Sucks? <laughs> I'm a shill for Disney and a shill for Star Wars right there now. There you go. <laughs> so. But yeah, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you, I, I, I know you posted something earlier um, in the week. You said that, uh, uh, apologies, but uh, you're really liking Andor. I am. I am. Yeah. And Absolutely. I was totally sarcastic because I really don't care what anybody thinks either way. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you everybody for joining us in the chat tonight. We're going to have a great show. And as I posted earlier, we have, um, world famous commentator and political activist, and force user, <laughs> Mr. Stephen Kent. I got his book right here, How the Force Can Fix the World. And actually, I'm going to buy another one because there are people that uh, I've been talking to about this book, and uh, they are really intrigued and wanted to borrow my copy. And I'm like, hells to the no. I'm just going to get you your own copy. So uh, if you haven't uh, checked it out, it's a, a really awesome read, um, How the Force Can Fix the World. I got all these notes in there because i've been like reading chapter by chapter and jotting some things down things that make me go hmm <laughs> excellent so um let's start this show but I, I you know are you ready to fight yes are you ready to fight because i love andor more than you love andor bitches <laughs> This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Sorry about that. I might have to bleep that out, but I don't care. As promised, Perrin Mothma for president. We got uh, <laughs> author Stephen Kent. Stephen, thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, Stephen. Hey, good to see y'all. I'm an activist now. I would I'd prefer a thought leader. like Thought leader, uh, exactly. I like that. Young Nimick. Uh, a writer. Yes, yes, yes. Let's see your manifesto. Oh, I got it. I got it right <laughs> here. I, I have written a manifesto. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us this week, uh, this weekend. Obviously, when, um, you know, we've been kind of touting the Andor Bell for a really long time when it was announced back in what, like 2019? Um, I think it was, uh, but, um, you know, our love for rogue one goes deep and, uh, Andor as a character, when they announced the, the show that, uh, they were producing a, a spinoff, um, first of all, my jaw dropped. And second, I realized that, uh, this might be something special. And, uh, I think, uh, at least that prediction has come true in, in, 
in my mind. Um, I, I know a lot of people are enjoying it. Some people are not enjoying it for whatever reason, but uh, we're not here to convince everybody. Um, some we'll people. Use some people, yeah. <laughs> Those people. Those people. Yeah, but um, excellent. So, you know, obviously this week we, um, we uh, brought you on board and uh, for um, reasons that uh, we shall soon find out. Um, but, uh, how are you liking Andor as a show? Uh, give me, uh, give me your, uh, your four one one there. I like it more and more every week. Uh, you know, there are some star Wars fans who show up for like the latest dog fight between the X-Wings and the TIE fighters, but I just about reached my, my peak, uh, climaxed, if you will, uh, in the, ISB meeting, yes. <laughs> you know, the, yep. the, the meeting, the assembly of the ISB to actually talk about matters of imperial security and uh, raising taxes uh, and all of this just insane stuff, surveillance, right? right? This is this is what I have always been waiting for. And between, I mean, just these ISB like boardroom dramas, and Mon Mothma uh, smiling through her teeth at her enemies. Uh, I mean, I, I, this is everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> this is perfect. It, it, it definitely is. Um, Shanti, what uh, what did you think of this episode? It's called The Announcement. And we got a little bit of that announcement at the tail end of last week's episode. But mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of this episode overall? I'm like Steven. I love, I, I absolutely am loving the show. I love this episode, like I said, look, I don't like real life politics, but I love the politics of Star Wars. It's the reason why I do love the prequels so much. So I like getting this quote unquote behind the scenes look at what's going on. Yeah. You know, with the ISB and all that. And again, I know that people are thinking of action in the sense of like physical action, but I like all the conversations that are going down and everything mm -hmm. that's happening. Like that is what is really drawing me in. So just, you know, I, this is just going to be a, a, an evening of agreement because I yeah. agree with everything that Steven is saying. I mean, yeah. the conversation between Mon Mothma and Luthen, I mean, her shock. I mean, I honestly, that could mean, be me just shutting my brain off while I'm watching this, but I guess I was under the impression that she kind of knew what Luthen was up to. So sure. seeing her shock about all of that, I was like, yeah, I was like, Oh man. I was like, she didn't know anything. Yeah. There I, I all kinds of action, different kinds of action. And like yeah. right before sitting down with y'all, my daughter and I, my daughter's 11, we were watching shark tank. We really like watching shark tank together. Um, there's just, there's so many layers to what's happening on screen and we get such a kick out of when somebody like makes a face, right? That they, their, their pitch goes badly or one of the sharks like kind of looks at them like, hmm. and <laughs> like we, we love that. We're like, Oh boy, something's about to go down. And like that came out when we were watching Andor again together and watching the dinner party where Mon Mothma is navigating this situation around Perrin, her husband, and just seeing the faces that people would make. We go, ooh, you see the way she looked at that guy? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's just as much fun as an explosion. And I don't right. get why people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, last week I mentioned, I said... Um, 
I said a phrase, less is more, and that's certainly the case with a lot of those expressions that the actors are giving us in Andor. I think um, I think they speak volumes. I'm not I don't want to go like beat for beat on this episode, but I do want to come up with um, some talk points. Um, and then let's let's start at the beginning here. Um, we start out this episode. Cyril is. uh sulking in his bedroom again waiting for 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 the cereal to be poured or whatever dinner that they're they were having mom and 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 him um i wanted to ask you guys you know mom obviously is so controlling but he does kind of um respond with some some of his own quips um you know she says uh oh you, you know that that collar says a lot and he's like well what is it saying to you mom but i wanted to ask you guys because we've seen this already from Cyril um, many times, his need to be noticed. He's got tailored uh, a tailored outfit. He's mm -hmm. altered the the collars. What do you guys think of? Uh, why do you think oh. he needs to be so different? It's the Krennic thing, right? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this the last time that I was on, and director Krennic has the same kind of inferiority complex as a as a kid or a guy who came from nothing and nowhere. He overcompensates with that cape that he wears. And the Imperials make fun of him for it because all of the people who came up through the Academy from rich families, they don't need a cape to feel like they are, you know, regal. So like that little bit with the collar at the very beginning reminded me exactly of that. You know, like we're just looking at a guy who really, really wants to be somebody make a difference he doesn't want to have a cubicle job right. and it's it's actually kind of stunning to me that we get to the end of the episode and the only thing that happened to cyril in the entire episode was he got the cubicle job. Right. yeah <laughs> and then the episode was over it's like he's a still a boy trying to become a man and uh, he's like the norman bates right now with that mom i'm just waiting for us to see his mom in a corner somewhere her skeleton and we were talking earlier ro like he is just so beyond pathetic and yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was an actually a very like um uh, how do you say it? The image of him just being one out of hundreds of these people in that cubicle. I was like, my God, are you so far down the totem pole now? And I was talking to to Josh about this and we were saying, oh, my God, this guy is so going to have a Michael Douglas in falling mm -hmm. down moment. Yeah. He's just going to snap one day. And yeah. I'm waiting for it. I was going to ask you guys, where do you see his character? Because it seems like he gets, um, he wants to, you know, rise above it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, he tells his, uh, the the guy that he's interviewing um, how, you know, what his plan is. He's, he's going to be redeemed one day. He's got these little delusions of grandeur in his, his, in his own head about being the hero of his own story. And then that last shot, you know, it's a high shot of that cubicle. And he's just like looking up like, now what? I mean, he gets he gets knocked down at every you know point in in the story here. Where do you guys see his character um, ending up? I guess my original theory was that he is kind of on a path towards you know working with someone like Miro, you know, at the ISB. Like he wants he wants to be an imperial officer, and he was a rent a cop before. Yeah. Um, trying to like cosplay as an imperial officer. So I just kind of imagine that he is going to try to enter the, the main vein of like imperial officer hierarchy. 
but we're also at episode eight and there's not a lot of time for that really at this point, unless we're going to have multiple seasons. And it leaves me wondering if that was incorrect and he's like going to do something wild in the next couple episodes that results in, you know, him being dead. I don't, I don't know. I just, he's either about to like go crazy mm-hmm. or he's going to join the officers program and, yeah. you know, hunt rebels. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, there is a season two and they okay, start, they've confirmed they, that. Yeah. They start okay. shooting in November. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Then maybe there's time then. Cause I, I think he's on the Imperial officer track. Yeah. I don't yeah. see him dying. Cause if not, then what is the point of shedding any light on this sure. character at all? So and, and they do he's seem- going to snap. Yeah. They do seem to be taking a lot of time, just mulling him over. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see that shot of him sitting in his bedroom. You know, this is not the first time we've seen that shot and he's just sitting there looking out the window. It's kind of dreary and we've seen that before. So yeah, uh, I, I would think that, uh, you know, there's a rhyme to the, to the reason here. And, uh, you know, looking forward to to seeing where that ends up. All right, so um, I'm going to mention a character that I think is becoming a favorite of mine, and I wore my uh, Imperial um, Insignia button just for her, uh, Dedra. She's becoming a favorite. Her keen yeah. eye, the cautious and thoughtful manner in which she examines the situation, breaking it down logically she is a jewel in the imperial security bureau long live the empire what do you guys think i love her i i, I wasn't sure if i was gonna like her at first uh, you, you called her crazy eyes. i did go, go back and look when she first <laughs> appears she looks nuts that's sexist how dare you <laughs> oh my god traitor to my own sex um no but i i i am liking her more and more and i really loved actually the end of that when um what's his name uh all Arda, i think of Arda is quiburn from game of thrones yeah. <laughs> that's what i want to call him but i loved when he's like come walk with me and Part, he basically, yeah. yeah and he says mm-hmm. watch yourself and yeah. i really like that Back. because it shows that he does like her he does value her and he's giving her a little nugget of you know advice be careful She's going toe to toe with essentially who is that guy? I guess her supervisor, her direct supervisor. Oh my god, this is like so. It's like it's like the office in space. <laughs> it just relates to so yeah. much what's going on, having worked yeah. in an office most of my life, and the office politics and the bureaucracy of everything. And I'm like, oh my god, but yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of backstabbing. Steve, so Stephen Stephen mentioned um, having a moment during that ISB um, scene. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because that was kind of it, it was pretty heavy. Um, uh-huh. You know, we've got um, Wolf Yularen um, back on screen, and um, if folks uh, don't know who he is, please look him up. Um, I, I didn't make the connection. Somebody on Twitter had said, oh, we finally got you, Lauren. And I, I did have to look him up. I, I didn't remember him in, in the Clone Wars. And obviously they are connecting that character with the character that was in the um, the original you know, Star Wars um, mm-hmm. in, when Vader and, and uh, Grand Moff entered for the first time, which is really cool. Um, but uh, Stephen, let's talk about that scene. There's a lot here that they're uh, that they're discussing. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, Wolf Yularen, if is it confirmed that that was Yularen? Because I didn't see his name in the subtitles. 
Yeah, it's uh, okay. it's no, they, they do it later on towards the super, end, and you see Yularen. Cool. Um, no, yeah, because we've seen him in the original 1977. He's in the Clone Wars. He's the narrator of the Clone Wars as well. Uh, Wolf Yularen is the voice that goes, "Oh, on the last episode." <laughs> I love that so much. Um, it's, I mean, it's just perfect, and you just sort of see how. I don't know. I guess like a person who served the Republic it's seamless to them to now just serve the empire. It's all mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I will always think about the Wolf Yularen scene in episode four when Vader and Tarkin are in the room because there's an empty chair at that table. And I've always wondered whose chair was that? I always look at that and I go, it was Krennic's chair. <laughs> Supposed to be his chair. It was just a couple days ago that he died. Um, but yeah, so that ISB meeting, uh, I just really got hung up watching Major Partagas as like a manager. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I want to watch again is his managerial style and how he he accepts challenge. He accepts challenge from another person in the room being Deidre Miro. And he sort of lets her like make her point hits it against another idea and he lets the best idea rise to the top. Sure. Whereas the other Imperial who Dedra is up against, mm -hmm. he has forgotten how to think. He thinks everything is rules and Dedra and Pedagaz know that there is actually more to managing Imperial security than just rules. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. um, I want to watch that scene again because it's incredibly layered. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I also mentioned last week that the writing in the show, there is no wasted word. Everything you really have to pay attention to everything because you said it, Stephen, it's very layered. You know, th this um, this scene um, has a lot of uh, little nuggets in there. Obviously, Yularen says that he consulted with Palpatine, um, which uh, sends shivers up my spine as well. I love hearing, it. hearing his name made me <laughs> really excited. Yeah. And um, I wanted to talk to you guys about there's some like real world um, little crossovers here. So the Empire and I wanted to get your opinion on something. The Empire is really doubling down um, on this uh, rebellion uprising. Um, Luthen's crew is also forcing their hand um, also on their part and both forcing their hands so the Empire can can do something. Um and it, it, it almost cries of, to me, it cries of conspiracy, internal conspiracy, like when folks claim that 9-11 was an inside job in order to facilitate our next move into the Middle East. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of saw like parallels and obviously, you know, you can ask 100 people what they think and you get 100 answers. But um, th there is that sort of like, you know, internal conspiratorial um, essence to this because when Luthen um, talks to uh, Mon Mothma and they're talking about that specifically, it's it's almost like I I, I was getting similar vibes um, from from Yalaren and Luthen's um, speech about having each one kind of you know they're they're almost like playing chicken with each other. But yeah. I'm not sure if that's a, a planned. Um, motif between the writers saying this is what's going to happen or if you know if they're individually thinking that we need to rise up to make the other one you know it's like a chess move they got to move you know who's going to move next what do you guys think of that i think that's a fair assessment 
I don't like, I I said, I think that's a fair assessment. I didn't really think of it that way. I'm really not one to inject in real world stuff into Star Wars. So I most of the time don't look for those kind of parallels, but that's why I like having these discussions because then it makes me think deeper about it. And of course, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to rewatch the show uh, before we did this. But I, again, I, I accept that take and I can see that. I mean, that's the whole reason why he said, look, this is something that, needed to be done she obviously disagreed but he's like no this is something that needed to be done and we do uh, you're right we need to force their hand and see what their next move is going to be so yeah mm-hmm. i can see that yeah and that connects pretty nicely to Nemec's uh view his correct view of how right. you know governments sort of subdue their people over time slow and steady numbing people to what's going on right. sort of constantly moving the goalposts about what is normal until you can't even remember what normal is anymore um and he has this you know perspective which there's truth to it that you have to shock mm-hmm. the system Um, so that people don't get complacent, but, you know, you're always going to have these more moderate figures like Mon Mothma who want to pump the brakes, play it very safe and careful, but, you know, Mon Mothma, I think we have reason to believe that, uh, you know, the other guy's not alive down the road. At least he's not in the picture. I don't know who Luthen Rail is. We've never heard of this guy before. So I don't think Luthen's going to make it out of this alive. Yeah. Um, and Mon Mothma will because Mon Mothma plays a long game. Sure. Yeah. I actually think um, Luthen is a puppet. And I do, I now I'm starting to think, especially after um, this week's show, I'm starting to think that Clea has a, a, a more um, defined um, position in this little um, organization. I think she's the one that might be pulling the strings. Um, I think maybe. he's connected to Saw somehow. That's what I'm still waiting for. Maybe. Maybe he's a mole altogether. Uh, we've, we've seen we've seen that uh, like one of Luthen's um, associates is undercover in the ISB. He's like this white guy with a little red mustache with red hair. Um, he's been seen in Luthen's company and at the ISB. He's like a background character. You only see him a couple of times. But like... I don't know. I wonder if there's going to be a really big plot twist, like like a HBO or Showtime Homeland level plot twist where everything you think that you know is not true. We also have to get to the point where Mon Mothma um, actually exits the Senate and, you know, actually flees into exile to fully be with the, the rebellion. We're only a couple of years from Mon Mothma being wanted by the state. So I kind of wonder if everything that Luthen and Mon Mothma are doing are going to fall apart. Maybe Luthen isn't, maybe he's playing for the other side. Like maybe he's trying to draw out high level rebel sympathizers with the blessing of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Well, you, you, you bring up an interesting point because I, um, you know, that scene in um, with uh, Mon Mothma and Luthen, first of all, holy crap, the acting was phenomenal. Can you feel the the agony of Mon Mothma when she says, you realize what you've done? Mm-hmm. I mean, her voice is like trembling. She's like fearful for what look on her face. Yeah. For what the future holds, especially because she knows that, you know, at, at this point, the Empire is about to do something pretty, pretty rash. Mm-hmm. Um 
but you talked about um getting getting to a point where moth moth mon mothma is say it like 10 times I know. where mon she mothma. uh she leaves the senate and i almost feel you know that scene in the isb headquarters to me it sets the stage um for how the empire is is establishing their overreach in their their powers um it's i feel that it's almost like the first step um in dissolving the imperial senate permanently as grand moff tarkin said in in uh, episode four um so i i think um i think we're not far off from mm -hmm. from witnessing that act and seeing how the rest of the imperial senate and uh citizens around the galaxy um react to that and uh we might be seeing the tale or i guess the 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 scenes where where we didn't see them from a new hope and i find that very exciting me too. And then, yeah, and this is what I love. I love that we are connecting dots here and kind of streamlining things now, but we're not using these characters that we know so well, and it gives us more of a chance to kind of play around. So again, anything that kind of helps to maybe explain the original trilogy a little bit more and connect it a little bit more, I'm all for it. And that's why I love this. And it's a shame that People are not liking it as much. I keep seeing articles saying that while this is the best Star Wars show that we've gotten so far, it doesn't seem to be viewed very much. And I'm wondering if it's maybe just too cerebral for some people, which is a no. shame. Yeah. And I, I hope that's not the case. And I really hate that some people want to reduce it to just spaceship battles and yeah, lightsabers. battles, lightsabers, and yeah. Jedi, but there will always be this tension between the kinds of people who, when they go home at night, they want to crack open a glass of wine and watch Breaking Bad and people who want to go home and have a beer uh, and watch The Apprentice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what a watch wonderful analogy. Well, I, and I, I'm still, I stole that from, from Joe Scarborough on, on MSNBC like, in 2016 after the, the Trump election. You know, he was like, you know, we don't understand the country, uh, you know, the way that maybe we used to. We were all busy watching Breaking Bad when 75 percent of the country was watching The Apprentice and falling in love with this guy. Oh and it's it's a good reminder that like legacy TV mm -hmm. is for a certain kind of person. There are like cinephiles and TV addicts and there are movie reviewers and TV reviewers and I'm not saying we're snobby, but we're snobbier than most people. <laughs> and and then there is the mass audience. Sure. And the mass audience just wants to relax, watch something familiar and entertaining. And if that is like Star Wars popcorn, you know, type movie, then that's what they want to watch. Uh, and sure. the, Mandalor the Mandalorian was kind of the perfect fusion of right. both of those worlds. Whereas this is purely for the film reviewer, Red Wine Snob. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I under I, I get. But you tweeted something earlier today, which I really, really liked, Stephen, about how you know this is this is really great that we are getting different types of Star Wars for different types of audiences, and it, it, and I compare it to a buffet. You know, you have all these different things. Some people might like salads. Some people might like you know, chicken or whatever, but you can pick out whatever you want. And I don't know if it's just because everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. So they just got to watch everything. So they're the first one to stream stuff. But 
listen, you don't have to watch this. If you don't like it, then just stop watching it and let the rest of us who are enjoying it, enjoy it, you know, and, you know, kind of the other way around as well. But you got to understand how that might hurt some people. Like Star Wars has never been in that territory before. Yeah, and I understand. Um, It's never been the kind of IP, the kind of franchise where you take it or leave it. Because right. it's always an event. There's right. new Star Wars, and we're all gonna watch we're it. We're all gonna sure. go right. Yeah. It's always been for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of people are just afraid of change. <laughs> Classic. That's an interesting mean, point. That's a a very interesting point, Stephen. Um, earlier today, you had also um, made a, a an assertion here. The single episode of Andor was more Star Wars politics minutia than we've gotten in live action in 20 years is such a perfect show. Um, one of your followers, uh, Sublight77, says, to me it's a shame every everyone wants Star Wars to go more real. I miss the childlike, wondrous, awe-inducing, imaginative soul. We have enough real and gritty all over TV. Josh basically said last week, too. Yeah, and I, you know, I've heard it's, that it's, comment it's from true. some of the other, um, uh, other people. Um but you know that also begs the question like to you and it's very personal we've had 40 plus years of star wars but what does star wars mean to you how what what does a star wars have to have in order for it to be a star wars and i think um as i mentioned with with franchise with so many things out there books novels comics radio you know radio dramas um animation for all ages um you know there is really a star war for every segment of the population. And when we had star Wars was, it was only three movies. I think it was a little bit more universal because George obviously wanted to get more bang for his buck um, and have as many people see this, you know, this galaxy that he created. But I think now, you know, we are getting so much, um, variety in our star wars that uh, you know because it's been so old it's it's such an old franchise that we are getting little tidbits of of stories from all all across the board you know uh somebody that enjoys andor is probably not gonna go and enjoy you know a a a star wars cartoon um the audiences are i think are, are are different and that's okay um but um as the as the bottom of my name says, I'm a Disney shill and I love it all. No, I, I really don't love it all. Um, yeah, I just want more and more and more. I, I guess I don't really understand comments like that uh, from the guy who, who responded to me because I just, you're on Disney Plus. All you have to do is hit the back button and there's Lego Star Wars if you want childlike <laughs> wonder. I mean, and I, I, I guess I just, I don't get it because in a week we're about to have the Jedi Tales, sure. Dooku and Ahsoka animated miniseries. There is plenty of stuff for childlike wonder. I just, I feel like when people talk like that, they want to be children again and they're just mad that they're not. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I get frustrated sometimes because I think one of the the big driving forces of star wars is like the passing of the torch Mm -hmm. from masters to apprentices to their apprentices there's this constant cycle of change fathers and sons and mothers and daughters like that's what star wars is about we're at four generations now of star wars stories and star wars fans 
And so you do now have Star Wars fans. I mean, you always had old Star Wars fans, but you have Star Wars fans now that have grandchildren. (laughs) And so like there has to be stuff for those people who do not have kids in their home and would like to sit down and enjoy adult Star Wars. And that's that's okay. I just it's very strange to me how people kind of like go like, well, this has to be this thing. Lego Star Wars is on the other page. Go ahead and watch it. Yeah. Not only that, but how long, and we discussed this last week, wrote how long before that gets old and stale and then you're complaining you never do anything different. Then we do something different (laughs) and then it's too different. Well again, as always, I don't know what the hell you you want yeah. honestly you know you know it seems like the fans are taking the sith path and killing their masters yeah. here but um, that, you're comparing a show where you can take your time over the course of yeah. two seasons 24 episodes to a movie that's got to take everything and condense it to two hours sure. and i think this is a very important moment for all of us who want to maintain our sanity and our mental health to pause <laughs> and remember that every single time we go people online, we're talking about different people. Like yeah. you you engaged with different people today than I did. I engaged with different people and Roe has talked to different people online. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> who the hell are we talking about? Right. If, if what we are concluding is there are human beings out in the world that don't like to watch the same things, we always knew that. It's just that now we hear from them all the time and it, it just is, it's disorienting. We just have to like stop thinking that way. And it was always this way. There were people who didn't like return of the Jedi. (laughs) So, but back then we didn't have people with their, with their own shows with uh, microphones in their faces talking about it ad nauseum. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired of the right. You're right. You're wrong you know, hoopla, like yeah. uh, enough with that. It's at the end of the day, this is a TV show. This is a movie. It's, it's a, it's art. Uh, it's no different than looking at a painting. We've said this before and everyone's going to have a different opinion, what it means to you, what it feels to That's up to the individual person. So, but I think even you saying like right there, that it's like a painting is that, you know, at the paint gallery all day, there are going to be people who go in and go, I don't see it. What's the big deal? <laughs> it's you just know, a, like it's just a black line. So we shouldn't so we shouldn't be surprised yeah. uh, when people are not kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> no, and believe sure. me, I'm definitely not surprised. <laughs> no, That's why I said I just don't care. That's why I tweeted. Yeah. I'm I apologize that I love Andor and I just I just don't care. <laughs> just don't care. You know, two ep- two uh scarif lives ago, I think um I, I was Actually, it wasn't on the show. It was online with those people. Uh, <laughs> I was having a, a, a very um, spirited discussion on uh, the fact that Andor really shows us that uh, the Star Wars can change and evolve. And I think, you know, Shanti, you mentioned the fact that if it continues to be the same formula over and over and over again, will Star Wars survive that? Um, for the future. And I think Andor really shows us that something, um, something different can be done. Um, you know, it may not be your cup of tea, but this is very, very, this is very deliberate storytelling. Um, it's, I think uh, Andor needs to take a child under his wing and protect them from harm. Oh God, <laughs> please. That would, that would be fresh. <laughs> 
No, no more children. You don't want another Grogu? <laughs> oh, God, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, with the, now the, the big controversy is, is Andor better than the Mandalorian? And uh, people are fighting about that. But uh, just like your own Star Wars. Why? You know what? I, I, I know I said last week that I'm starting to like this more than the Mandalorian. But you know what? I'm going to completely backtrack on that. Because you know what? They're two different shows. Don't stop with, is it better than, who cares? It's two different shows. Just stop with those kinds of comparisons. You just, I just feel like you can't compare the two. I feel attacked, so I need You're my telling my two safe. different stories altogether. I need my safe Grogu. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. Feel, they don't I know what we're talking safe. about Grogu. He is a cutie. Don't know. Um, yeah, I'm going um, back to the original trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, you know, I'm obviously from the get-go. I told you guys earlier that I'm, um, you know, I predicted that I was gonna. that i think he froze <laughs> oh no oh no i love when i get control <laughs> oh no oh you have to host now <gasps> now let's just stare at ro for a while <laughs> he must be having a dinner party and all the wi-fi is getting used up you froze <laughs> real <Yeah>. bad <laughs> I saw. good thing we'll we'll fix it in post oh no <laughs> But um, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the um, the scale of this episode. You know, we're getting a lot of scale in all the episodes. There are some really amazing shots. We're back on Coruscant. There is some really, you know, great wide shots. Um, just you know, one of the things that I had complaints about with Kenobi was that we didn't get enough of this type of thing. Like the wide shots where people are just, you know, walking. There's this shot with uh, Clea that she's uh, walking on that down that corridor and she's going to meet Vel. Um, there's some really beautiful shots that just sit there for just half a second, um, you know, longer than usual. And, you know, they go a long way to, you know, continue this world building, um, you know, narrative that uh, here we are on this planet. Check this out. These shots are, are, are gorgeous. They're beautiful. Oh, and the when Mon Mothma leaves, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Luthen, you got that shot of the space Cadillac flying up, and then the next shot is just basically the cityscape going past. That's such a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful shot. She really does have a sweet ride. <laughs> space Cadillac, I like that. I feel I, I tweeted earlier that George Lucas would love would have loved that uh, that space Cadillac. I think so. Because it's of very aesthetically mother. pleasing. The show, yeah. I agree. Yeah. What do you think of the visuals, Stephen? I, I mean, you said it vast. Um, I also am always just finding myself like they're really good in this show at creating sort of really big spaces with focal points. Mm -hmm. I think Mon Mothma's cr like speeder, her little speed cruiser that she keeps landing at Luthen's place at the antique store is like a really good example of that, where her, you have this big gray cityscape and then you've just got this blue, you know, shiny speeder right in the middle. There's just so many of those kinds of moments from, 
like when the the TIE fighter pilot was getting down into the TIE fighter mm -hmm. as the sky is lit up with all those stars in the last episode. It's it is a very visually striking show. You get lost in it. And yeah. again, like with the bigness of mm -hmm. the Star Wars galaxy in this story, you're also sort of getting its vastness visually. I, that's sort of a, a film review point, but um, you know, it's, it's shot beautifully. Beautiful. Whereas there is something about the Obi-Wan series that feels like I'm watching the prequels. And I think they know that they know that it feels like a continuity from that particular story. Right. Um, whereas this is literally like a first of its kind building off of Rogue One what if we had Homeland from Showtime, but Star Wars, and it's going to feel very different. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Fiona Shaw. Um, Cassian goes back for mom mm -hmm. and says, uh, we got to take off. Um, Fiona Shaw is killing it. Uh, I, I see such emotion in her performance um and not just her obviously we talked about uh, stellan skarsgård obviously um but everybody's got uh, such a a pedigree in this show and um i hope come time come uh emmy time that uh this show gets a lot of nods because yeah. the the acting is superb not just for a star wars show for for any type of of television show on on the small screen here i actually teared up during that scene yeah I did, especially when she was telling him, like, that's that's love. And I don't know. There's just, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I did. I definitely teared up, although not appreciating <laughs> she treated poor B, that poor droid. Yeah. Yeah. That the way that she described love, I don't I don't have the quote in front of me, but like as just this confusing, irrational thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just I loved it. I mean, this is some of the most emotionally complex Star Wars out there. I I really connected with that moment where she told him, you know, that like he has to go, but she has to stay. Yeah. And the way that she said it with clarity, like I was just kind of like looking at my daughter who's kind of like processing this this kind of dense scene. You know, she's kind of like nodding, got her like lip out while she's like watching this like, yeah, you know, sometimes your parents are going to do things you don't understand. Yeah. Um, and they love you to death. Um, but their first priority is that you live. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. After, after like you live as a top priority, the rest might not make sense to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's sad, but it was awesome to watch. Yeah, you said it, Stephen, the most uh, complex writing in a Star Wars, I think, um, like I said, you know, I, I keep bringing this up. It's there doesn't seem to be a wasted word. These, uh, you know, these uh, script writers uh, have uh, mastered uh, the, the art of, of this type of communication. I just find it I find it intriguing. I find it enthralling. Um, hang on to every word when when the show comes up. Um and I, I just love it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Cassian obviously is leaving um, his uh, his uh, his old house, his old home. I love that, you know, the little detail when when he uh, comes in, and he goes, since when do we lock the doors? <laughs> love those little details. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be such a safe community. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, um, you know, he um, he's got some old debts that he's uh 
paying and uh he pays another visit to uh what's her name what's her Bix. name again Bix yeah and um leaves a uh, a satchel of money that's a funny word satchel <laughs> the things you focus on <laughs> yeah she Poor shut Bix. him down i thought oh, they yeah. were gonna, like have like a, a warm moment uh but no yeah. he really he really did kind of screw his in. community yeah mm-hmm. no he did yeah yeah but uh, you know he 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 did fight back. He says uh, your boyfriend uh, screwed things up for me, and I'm the enemy. I did like you know? that line. Damn it, Tim. Yeah, stupid Tim. Stupid Tim. But um, <laughs> yeah, do you guys think that we're gonna see Bix again? Um, I don't. Know. I don't know. I mean, I I think it would be more appropriate for like chapters in a character's life to close, and that chapter yeah. is closed. And, yeah, you know, I can see that. How to close the book. Our boy's about to go to jail. He's about yeah. to go to prison. So he's going to make some new friends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I think that's over and done with. Maybe, maybe he'll meet uh, Saw Gerrera. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Um, yes. I had posted um, something earlier regarding that. Do you, uh, I almost felt like that was deliberate. Like it was a setup mm-hmm. that he, uh, he, he set that up uh, in order for him to, get into jail to to either meet somebody no, said, no. Yeah, i agree too i think i think no. he's literally being sentenced to prison no. no this was a police brutality commentary yeah. scene <laughs> yes just just a guy going out to the grocery store to get something for his uh his squeeze mm-hmm. uh and he he looked at a cop the wrong way yeah. and uh got choked out so no, I think uh, I made a joke about that in private. And I don't know if it'd be appropriate for you. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I, I just from a from a commentary and like political analysis standpoint, I'm surprised they didn't have Cassie and Andor say, "I can't breathe." I was um, thinking about that too. That, that would be because it would have. It just if if <laughs> if you were writing like a show with messaging, like it would have been that. But yeah. I mean, it was it's a great scene, and this happens, you know, and. There are going to be, and there already have been some people who are like, oh, like this is like too much of a commentary. It's like, are you kidding me? Like this happens in police states in every part of the world. Um, this is just the way things go um, in totalitarian regimes where you don't have freedom. You look at a cop the wrong way and you get busted up. Um, and it happens here too in the so-called free world. So anyways, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm just super <laughs> Super, super into that scene. Um, and it's sad. He got six years. Yeah. yeah. Six years. And it used to be a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Right. So but they increased prison sentences at the beginning of the episode. Oh, right? yeah. Right. Remember, like, yeah, they're, they are ratcheting up the mm-hmm. state of mass incarceration in the galaxy as a result of rebel activity, which Andor participated in. Right. And Luthen knew this would happen, Mm -hmm. that ratcheting up the tension and forcing the empire to do worse things would fuel more rebellion and Mm -hmm. uh, people will suffer. But Mm -hmm. he thinks that's okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And I hope everyone's happy now. There were stormtroopers. Yeah, sure. And my favorite, some of my favorite shore troopers. Yeah, absolutely. And And there was uh, more alien, more creatures. And uh, a little, uh, well, not uh, an imperial uh, droid like uh, K2SO. I gasped. I knew it wasn't 
what right. we knew from Rogue, but I was like, yeah. I was like, yay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that that actually ends up happening. Please bring it. I loved, I, I really totally love to loved it. Space oh. Acapulco. Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got some uh, Viper droids flying overhead, uh, kind of patrolling and the I area. I liked the music in that scene, actually. And the music is killing it. I love and it. I really liked it because you know what? A lot of the episodes, certain shots, certain scenes, if anyone's played, uh, which I was just introduced to this year, uh, the PC game, um, Star Wars The Old Republic, mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. giving me major vibes from that game, especially during that scene with the music and all that. So I- I'm wondering if you know they drew any inspiration from that game at all because it just makes me want to go back and play it. <laughs> Yeah, Nicholas Bertel. Mm-hmm. He's uh doing a good job. You know, there mm-hmm. is uh you know, obviously one of the things that makes a Star Wars a Star Wars based on those people <laughs> is <laughs> the um, you know, the the grand scope of John Williams, those mm-hmm. familiar themes that we're all, you know, that we all love obviously. Yep. But I think um I think this really this really fits the storytelling. Um, I agree. You were going to say something, Mr. Perrin Mothma for president about the music? No, just the making of a radical, right? This is no different than episode four and just the the slow little baby steps towards what makes someone be a rebel and walk away from their their normal life of disenchantment and uh, going along to get along. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. I, I do think what you, you were mentioning music, um, that's important. When I've been asked this before, like what are the ingredients of a Star Wars? Like what is it that makes it feel like Star Wars? And it's like, I don't know, water to fish. You just, how do you describe that? How do you even describe what it feels like? It's like a warmth in your heart when you're watching it and you're like, ah, this is just, this is feel, this feels right. And yeah, uh, Andor doesn't feel right It because it's not trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is music. It might be scores, like really big themes, hopeful music at times i don't know like there's just something about the show that is bleak but you know it's a bleak time in galactic history exactly and i think it matches it's and again we are being given something like steven's been saying like homeland it's espionage it's 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 very spy like so why would i want music that is loud and proud and in your face yeah no it's supposed to be you know, kind of quiet and almost like in the background because, I mean, Andor continues to constantly be on the run and trying to blend in. And so I feel like the music is matching that tone. It's subtle. Mm-hmm. And this show has a lot of firsts. So, you know, obviously we talked about um, early on in the episode, we had a uh, character swear. Mm-hmm. And um, we had uh, in the, the episode, The Eye, we had a uh, an Imperial officer take a leak behind a rock. That was a heart attack. <laughs> I don't know. The character had a heart attack. That was interesting. Raw and gritty. Well, I have a question. Oh my God, Roe froze again. But you know what, Stephen? I'm going to take this opportunity to ask yeah. you a question because you Do said it. you watched this with your 11 year old daughter, and this was a conversation that actually occurred today with uh, or yesterday with one of my friends. I don't even know anymore. Days are blending. Did you have a problem when they did shoot back over to Andor, as Roe put it? the Acapulco of Star Wars. Did you have yeah, a problem yeah, with, with the nude woman in his bed 
watching yeah. that with your 11 year old daughter his his overnight knowing this is more mature day yeah. yeah um i mean yeah it, it made my skin crawl a little bit mm -hmm. but but for for like my child in particular like mm -hmm. I understand that she understands what's going on here at this point. Like when you have parents, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, adult man, adult woman in bed, like that's what they right. do. But the obvious question for any child watching is that's not his wife. <laughs> who, who is that lady? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so those are just things that you have to, to grow up into and you will grow up into that being said if my daughter was eight maybe just like a couple years ago i would have been a little bit more like Ugh. right right but it also yeah. sounds like you have a very mature child and that only does make a only difference. child that does happen yeah, yeah. um i was <laughs> i was very confident that when they showed the girl in bed and then we heard the shower running that we were going to see Cassian's butt. <laughs> <laughs> this is an NYPD blue. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie Lovett and, uh, and, 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 or Twitter would have exploded with joy. <laughs> well, that's another first. We first see uh, a space sh uh, star Wars shower. In yeah. 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 Talking yeah. about firsts. Awesome. So um, wrapping up, I wanted to ask you guys uh, what your favorite scene or aspect of this episode was that uh, really, you know, got you pumped. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start because there's a lot of stuff in here, but one of the things that we didn't talk about, um, there's this line that um, Mon Mothma says, I think during the dinner party, when she talks about something that she learned from Palpatine, I show you the stone in my hand and you miss the knife at your throat. Oh, yes. Uh, talk about talk about deliberate lines. I mean, I, that that says it all. And I love that. I got the chills when she said that um, it just shows you the caliber of 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 writing for, mm -hmm. for me. That was like, damn, that was uh, that was pretty uh, impactful. And, and it says a lot. It says a lot going forward. We'll see what else she has learned from Palpatine. And I think that uh, goes, um, you know, along the, the, the way that she leads. She takes, you know, you, you said it earlier. She smiles at her enemies. Um, but at the same time, you're taking in that information to see what uh, what can be learned. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. I my hype moment for this episode was also Mon Mothma's uh, dinner. Um the conversation that she had with her childhood friend, the banker, um, the coded nature of the conversation. It just it just got me so excited about what's about to come next and how this will all eventually fall apart for Mon Mothma at some point at great risk to her life. I got really into that scene. I think after this conversation, I'm going to go downstairs and rewatch the episode because I want to I want to see that again. Um, she also mentioned, and I think the only thing that I rewound to while I was watching, because I wanted to see it one more time, was she mentioned that in the Senate, I don't remember the quote, but she plays like nice with separate, like the former separatists. Oh, yeah. And she she said, like, I pretend to accommodate, you know, separatists in the Senate. 
And it, I was like, whoa, that's interesting. I really want to understand what she meant by that. Mm. And I, I'm guessing that like in the post-Clone War empire, like you have the re-entry of former separatist worlds under the Imperial banner, and you're going to have obvious tension between people that fought on the side of the, the separatists of the Republic, but now they're all in the empire together. And I guess there's a lot of tension with her playing nice with separatists. I don't know. But she also said she's on like a separatist committee. Hmm. Uh, and selling, I just, selling cookies. Say what? Selling cookies. <laughs> yeah. Selling cookies on the separatist committee. They're doing, they're doing a, Give me a tag along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, you know, Mon Mothma Gene Genevieve O'Reilly is, uh, is an amazing actress in this role, mm -hmm. you know, just, uh, and her outfits are just grand as well, but, um, yeah, she's, she's killing it. I mean, uh, I hang on her every word when, yeah. when she pops up, there's just something that you got to listen to. And, you know, I watch it, I watch it the first time, just regular. The second time I watch it with captions cause I don't want to miss everything. And, um, you have to, cause you know, sometimes it'll go right over your head. Yeah. Shanti, yep. what about you? Your, uh, hype moment. The dinner, the, the dinner party is just, there's just so much going on. I, again, I loved the conversation between her and, and Tay and having to put this face on and acting even to the point where, of course, she's got to make nice with this dickhead behind me. And, you know, oh, let's go entertain our guests. And I just, I just love all of, you know, that two-faced kind of uh, acting that they're doing. And same thing, like, you know, back at the shop at Luthen's shop, I, I just love how he switches it on and yeah. off. And again, that was another great moment for me too, because I, like I said earlier, I was definitely under the impression that she knew exactly what Luthen was doing, that they were in on this together. Yeah. So that, I thought that was a really great shock moment for me. I mean, I literally was like, oh, I was like, oh my God. I was like, she didn't even know. I, I literally gasped. So those were definitely my, my two moments. Absolutely. That's wonderful, wonderful. Um, we are definitely enjoying uh, this series and uh, can't wait to to see more of the political intrigue in the Star Wars world. This is uh, this is good stuff. Good Steven's stuff. in his element, man. Yeah. He's just in it. <laughs> Now's the time. Now's the time, Steven. Let's restart up that uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Don't, don't tease me. I was going to say. Don't taunt me. Excellent, guys. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Scarif Live. Uh, our continued uh, deep dives into the Andor show. Uh, really loving it. Um, why don't you tell folks where people can find you and say hello there? Yeah, you can find me on Substack at thisistheway.substack.com. And you can pick up my book, How the Force Can Fix the World, anywhere books are sold, including Amazon. Uh, and do remember... Perrin Mothma 2024. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Make sure to get your votes in. As they say in Chicago, vote early and vote often. <laughs> and we lost him. What about, uh, what about you, Shanti? Where can people reach you? You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Selena Kyle 29. And if you want to, uh, Take a look at my other page. There's also Scarif After Dark, which is also on Twitter, 
Instagram and TikTok, and it is just at Scarif After Dark. And I hope everyone heads right over there after this because we have some really great things planned. We have a game show planned. Everything's been really under wraps, and I can't wait because we got Tina on, and we're gonna have Salacious oh Rum. Oh my god! And that's gonna be like quite the combination because just Tina alone, I. <laughs> where we're gonna get kicked off of youtube but i absolutely love her so we're really excited and of course i'll be doing a costume change and josh and i will be wearing a halloween costume nice nice can't wait yeah head on over there everybody uh, i want to thank uh, our guest again stephen kent we've got another guest coming uh on next week which we will surprise you later um during the week but uh catch andor third it was a thursday nights right Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. I don't know. Just catch it. It's a good show. But um, thank you very much for joining us, everybody in the chat. Hope you guys had fun. Love the comments. Like I always say, it's uh, such a very interesting other show that happens in the chat. And I'm sure uh, tonight was uh, lively as well. Mm -hmm. This is Ro. That is Perrin's uh, Perrin fan club president over there, Shanti. <laughs> no. Hell no. But thanks to Josh for these incredible memes. He's keeping us all entertained on Twitter. Very much. He's uh he needs a new hobby. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, this is Ro that Shanti. Thank you, everyone in the chat. Talk to you guys later. That's the scuttlebutt. Cool beans. What the hell happened to him? I don't know. His uh, internet must have died. That or his daughter was out of bed. <laughs> okay.